Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like... Tell us what you... Good evening and welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors go to share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, Ben Hogan Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Salt Creek Golf Retreat, TaylorMade Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, and Super Speed Golf. Now here's your host... Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and thank you for coming back and joining me tonight on Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and, and I hope your week is off to a really great start. It's PGA Merchandise Show Week, the biggest event of the year for the golf industry and PGA professionals. A couple of my guests tonight are down there, so we'll talk about today's demo day and what else will be going on down there for the remainder of the week. And, and speaking of my guests tonight, I got three great ones for you tonight, folks. I'm really looking forward to sharing with you over the next hour. First up is going to be one of the most sought-out instructors in the game, and that is Dr. Jim Suddy. Dr. Suddy is one of the most decorated instructors we have in the game of golf. He's been named a top 50 instructor by Golf Digest every year since they've been putting those rankings together. He's worked with players like Paul Azinger and Lauren Roberts, Chip Beck, Bobby Clampett, Brad Faxon, my good friend Bob Friend Jr., who you heard here on the show just a couple of weeks ago. So uh, really looking forward to the conversation with Dr. Suddy. He has got his doctorate in biomechanics, so we'll talk about the biomechanics of the swing and, and the importance of investing, of investing in lessons, not just going out and buying a new $500 driver, a new set of irons the importance of investing the time and taking lessons very important i want to talk about that and also want to hear what he's looking forward to in 2019 and he'll be along with me here in just a few minutes following him i'm going to get a return visit from the voice of golf peter kessler peter's got some great new content out on his revamped uh, website peterkessler.com we'll talk about some of the great interviews that he has posted particularly one he did just outside of atlanta here several years ago with the great gene sarazen and with yesterday being Jack Nicholas's birthday, we'll talk about some of the conversations he's had with Jack. And we'll also hear what Peter is looking forward to in the game of golf this year as well. And Peter will join me about 25 minutes from now. And then we'll wrap up tonight's show with a return visit from Randy Peich. He is the VP of Operations at the PGA Tour Superstore. Randy also down there at the PGA Merchandise Show this week as well. He and the folks from the PGA Tour Superstore got a sneak peek kind of a preview of some of the new clubs and the new technologies that are going to be debuted this week. So we'll hear Randy's thoughts and views about what he got to see already. Plus, uh, had a, he had a conversation with Tony Finau at their annual associate summit uh, that took place this past weekend. So a lot to get into with Randy when he joins me about 40 minutes from now. So folks, more great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the T. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. Before we get started, you know, I would like to remind you about my good friend Mitch Lawrence and his podcast, Talking Golf Getaways. He and his co-host Darren Bunch let you know about great places to stay, play, and even eat and drink while you're there as well. And again, their show is called Talking Golf Getaways, and you can stream it online by going to golfnewsnet.com or over on Audio Boom and pretty much anywhere you go to consume your podcast. 
Mitch's twin brother, Matthew, also a great friend. I love Matthew. He and his golf show are called Backspin Golf. You know, that show is on hiatus for a little bit, which is still driving me nuts. But the show typically airs on WLXG ESPN Radio AM 1300 up in Lexington, Kentucky. It airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern time. But you can go online right now to WLXG.com and stream his shows from this past season as a podcast. So catch up on anything you missed over the last year. And I'm telling you, you're going to love his show because Matthew is just so much fun. Again, you can find it online by going to WLXG.com. And folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our friend Steve Rondonero about what they've got going on up there this winter. Play legendary golf at French Lick Resort, the only place in the country where you can play courses by two Hall of Fame designers on the same property. Our Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses offer two very different challenges. Experience them both and save with our Hall of Fame package. Our two historic hotels are unique as well. Cap it off with a fun visit to the French Lick Casino. Check us out online at FrenchLick.com. Bring a group and save even more. Play legendary golf this season at French Lick Resort. Yeah, folks, be sure to go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place they have up there and to book your stay as well. I also want to tell you about our good friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan iron since the 80s or 90s, do yourself a favor and get a demo iron from either their Fort Worth, PTX, or New Edge irons. So go out on the range and compare it to whatever else you have, right? All Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. No mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can order custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids by going online to BenHoganGolf.com. And they're going to build those clubs to your specifications. And best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Check out their complete line of forged irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories by going online to BenHoganGolf.com. I want to welcome one of our new sponsors, and that's Two Under, the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour. Worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Toms, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, but that's another story. And your girlfriend and her wife is going to love the side effects, a visibly enhanced profile. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact, providing less chafing, more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market. Use code N-X-T-O-N-T-E-E-20. So next on T20 to save 20% off your order at 2under.com. And that's the number two, U-N-D-R.com. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. They've got their semi-annual sale going on right now, and you can save 50% off of some of their clothes. Plus, their early spring collection is out. It looks fantastic. I'm telling you, I've got my eye on some of the polos and some of their sweaters. Check them out online by going to bobbyjones.com. All right, folks. Now joining me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Dr. Jim Suddy. Let me give you some background on Dr. Suddy. He earned his degree in biomechanics from Northern Illinois University. He started his coaching career at Eastern Kentucky University and led them to a couple of Ohio Valley Golf Championships. And he was named the Ohio Valley Golf Coach of the Year back in 1976. He moved on to Methodist University, where he coached there for a few years, and then before the folks over at Medina Country Club came and recruited him away. Stayed there for a few years before going to Northwestern University. He coached their golf team for four years. 
got his doctorate degree in biomechanics from Middle Tennessee University in 1983. He was named the PGA Teacher of the Year in Illinois in 1990, 91, and 98. In 2000, he was named the PGA National Teacher of the Year. 2001, he was inducted into the Northern Illinois University Hall of Fame after being inducted into their Golf Hall of Fame back in 1988. Golf Digest has named him a top 50 teacher every year since they've been doing those rankings. He's also in Golf Magazine's top 100 instructors. He's taught at places like Pine Meadow, Cog Hill, and Conway Farms. His students include Paul Lazinger, Lauren Roberts, Chip Beck, Bobby Clampett, Brad Faxon, and a couple, like I say, friends friends of ours on uh, this show, Rob Strano and Bob Friend Jr. as well. And I am honored to have him with me tonight here on Next on the T. Good evening, Dr. Suddy. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Chris. It's my pleasure. Dr. Suddy, I want to start out our time tonight talking about your study of biomechanics and the golf swing. And I'm curious, like, at what point did you say to yourself, you know what, I love golf. I want, I want to understand everything I can about body movement and the golf swing and getting into biomechanics. When did that happen? Well, when I, uh, I got, actually uh, did my research at the University of Kentucky, um, and uh, it was 1982 when I got it, uh, the degree. Uh, but I, I was interested in finding out just exactly, you know, what was going on in the golf swing. And, uh, I mean, we've always talked about ball flight and where the ball ends up. And, but I wanted to also know how it got there. <laughs> so um, I decided, uh, well, let's find out what the body's doing to create this movement. And, uh, you know, so I did a doctorate on um, uh, we looked at every movable joint in the body. And we put markers on the club as well. And we uh, came up with an average. We looked at about 50 players on the PGA Tour and came up with an average of their swing in 10 positions. And uh, it was all from high-speed film. Uh, it was an interesting study, and it was, we called it a model golf swing. We would place the model, the video model uh, stick figure on top of the average player and say, well, you know, this is what the model does. This is what you do. Well, it was an interesting study, like I said, but people don't move like the model. So you decide, you know, what what creates the, the particular swing that this individual has. And a true biomechanical way to look at stuff now is to find out what person's body can actually do. So I think I've got more into customization in the last 30 years than I am trying to put people into a perfect swing. And Dr. Suddy, technology has exploded in the golf industry over the last few decades. And it, and it seems like golfers yeah. would rather go out and spend $500 on the latest and greatest driver than spend $100 on a golf lesson. For those of us well, who have higher yeah. handicaps. People that play golf uh, actually take a lesson. And um, I always say, uh, I look at the other end of the range and say, I say, see all those people? All they're doing is exercising their bears. But people can improve, and I guess they give up on the idea of improvement. And uh, I think everybody has their own unique style, and it's the teacher's responsibility to find that unique style and uh, work with the strengths in that particular person's body that each each golfer can do, but um, yeah, the the uh, it's helped us analyze the swing, all the technology. But sometimes we, uh, as teachers, overdo it, and we we don't understand that golf is still a field game. 
So, Dr. Say, what's the proper mix of lessons, practice, and new equipment? Well, first thing is I would uh, test the equipment and see if it uh, fits the individual. That's uh, probably 20% of uh, the entire scenario. But with the wrong equipment, you're going to make compensations. So we're going to teach the compensatory moves. Uh, then you want to test the body. What, what can the body do? Uh, how flexible is the individual? How strong is the individual? Uh, what's his natural pattern? And where does the ball flight go? And what does the student want out of the lesson? That would uh, make up uh, oh, a good percentage of it. And uh, also uh, uh, just having the person uh, practice at least twice a week uh, if he wants to get better. Uh, most people have given up on practice. Like I say, they just hit balls and they don't have a purpose. They're just hitting to be hitting. And it's uh, it's unbelievable uh, what, what's happened, uh, you know, uh, why people do this. But uh, that's what I've seen in the past. So talk about that, right? For For those of us that go to the driving range, there is obviously a difference between just beating balls and practicing with a purpose. How do you designate what, what is the right way to practice? Well, the right way to practice is, say, let's say you're working on your wedge game. Uh, you put different targets out there, and the target's important, and you should be working no more than two and three. If your teacher gives you more than three things to work on, I guess you need to find a new teacher because that's way too many. Um, so you have to you have to look at stuff that, the person can do, number one. Uh, number two, uh, find the ball flight that the person wants. Um, and lastly, um, I think that it's important for each each person to be satisfied with what they're trying to do. In other words, customizing the golf swing to the student's body and his ball flight. And that can only come with there's good communication between the student and the teacher and not, not overdoing all the technology and all the fancy phrases. And Dr. Sutter, you've talked about how we should actually come with a plan, right? If, we're, if, some, if you got a new student and someone's coming to you, I'm, I'm sure we shouldn't just show up and say, well, here I am, teach me. Right? We should have a plan, some information that we're ready to share with you. You talked about ball flight a moment ago, but what are your new students? Everything, uh, the first lesson, you want to ask him why he's there, what kind of ball fight he expects out of it, what he wants out of the lesson, if he has any physical injuries, how flexible he is if if you if you don't have if you can't test them. Those are the kind of questions and gotta look at his clubs, see what's going on there. But I think those kind of questions are very important. You know, if you don't communicate with a student, you don't customize the swing to what he can do, I I, I think we're uh, just looking up a tree. I mean, you can see, you can probably look at the PGA Tour and they look more alike today than they did maybe 40 years ago when every swing looked different, but they're still different. All the swings on the PGA Tour are different. There's no two alike. So you can't expect a guy to uh, look exactly like what you're talking about. It's not a game of perfect. It's a game of what works for you, efficiency. And Dr. Sutty, to your point, right, I'm sure the swing that Paul Azinger has 
is very different than the swing that Bob Friend Jr. has. They have different statures. They have different body types. Some people are body swingers and some people are arm swingers. Talk about how do you assess the swing and decide what is right for that person? Well, of course, I don't say a thing until I see him hit at least 20 balls and um, I watch the ball flight. I don't say anything until I, and I look at their grips and I see grips are real important. If you don't put your hands on the club properly, you're not going to, it's got to suit what I call your, the match of your, how you move your body. Like Paul had a thin chest, narrow shoulders, strong grip. And so he had to use his legs really hard and not release his hands too hard. Where you look somebody like, um, oh, I don't know, Bobby Friend has a strong grip as well. But when I met Bobby, he had a, a weak grip and he had to use his hands a lot. So the instructor has to have that information uh, to know what kind of rotation each each golfer is going to have, if it's going to be slow rotation or fast rotation. So there there is a lot to put what I call matching swing elements. And the grip has to fit, uh, of course, the how the body works and, and the desired ball flight, of course. And Dr. Sonny, I read that one of the tips that you have for, for those of us that are here in the cold weather, that swinging a driver with a towel on the end of it is one of the best drills that we can do for ourselves over the winter. Well, you know, the biggest two errors in golf are this. Um, golfers are either releasing the club early with their hands, which is called casting the club like a fisherman, releasing the hands early and then coming in with a little closed face or an open face or rotating their shoulders too early. And so uh, to fix this, just put a towel on the end of your driver, swing it all winter, and you'll develop what we call lag. Every golfer, I've uh, not everyone, but about I bet 80% of them want more distance, and they get more distance through lagging the club on the downswing. And most of them can't lag it because they're so right-sided and early with their hands, arms, and shoulders from the top. So this drill will make sure that your hands are uh, still cocked on the downswing and uh, the hands are ahead of the club head at the point of contact. So it is a great drill. And if you have a chance, they have a chance to use it, they should. They should videotape it so they can see what it really does for them. It's a great drill. So am I taking the towel, just so I understand what, how the setup of it is, am I just taking a towel and tying it around the, at the end of the hosel by the head? How am I tying that towel up? Yeah, right, right at the end of the hosel where the wood and where the club head is. And it uh, has to be of a weight, so it's so heavy that you can't get it through and you have to keep your wrist cocked longer and uh, delay your wrist longer. So that's, that's how it would be done. So, Dr. Sutter, you're down there at the PGA Merchandise Show. What are some of the things you're looking forward to uh, either seeing or doing this week? Well, you know, I'm always interested in, in, my, in my teaching. I'm always interested in upgrading my area where I'm at. I have an indoor-outdoor training center, and uh, I look at the technology. There's a lot of 3D uh, video out that's that's really good. There's a lot of good force platforms out that tells you how you move your body away from foot to foot. There's a new thing called hack motion that shows you how your hands are working. Uh, like you say, the technology is really getting uh, very good, but uh, I think we as teachers have to decide to use it at the right time during the lesson and not just overwhelm the student. 
but I look at a lot of technology right now, and I also am very still interested, very, very interested in ball flight and making sure that the the ball flight techniques that I have and the uh, teaching aids that I have uh, work very well. And so I'm looking for things to improve my teaching. And even at 47 years of teaching, I'm still very involved in trying to get better. And Dr. Sutty, to your point, there, there's a, a, you could very easily get overwhelmed by all the numbers with the smash oh, factor absolutely. and you know, you know, all of those sorts of things. But you said earlier on, there's a, there's got to be a balance between feel and technology. How do you strike that yeah. balance? How should we strike that balance as, as players? It's an excellent question. And you have to determine when they're filling out my uh, piece of paper prior to the lesson, I find out if they're a analytical player, if you, if they're analytical, you can give them a little more information. If they're a field player or they're a creative player, or they just, work on uh, reflexes, you know, I want them to tell me what, uh, what they, how they like it. Like, for example, years ago, uh, Lanny Watkins, I, I, I looked at Lanny and, and he said, you can videotape me, but I never want to see it. <laughs> so that would tell you Lanny's a field player, you know, he, he's, he doesn't want a lot of analytical thoughts. And, uh, another guy, uh, for example, uh, there's plenty of people that want all the thoughts they can get. You don't want to overwhelm them, but you can be a little more aggressive with those analytical thoughts. So you got to decide what kind of personality trait they come from. And Dr. Sutty, as I was I mentioned, a long list of players that you've worked with over the course of your career, and Chip Eck was, was one of them. And some of the stories that I've heard about Chip is he's one of the most optimistic people you'll meet, no matter what the situation is. He's always seeing the bright side of it. I was curious of, you know, what your experience was when you've worked with Chip. Oh, yeah, Chip. Uh, he is one of the, the best people I know. Uh, he, I don't think he ever had a bad day. I mean, even on his worst day, he says, well, I played bad today, but I'm playing better tomorrow. Uh, and that's the attitude a golfer's got to have. But Chip is, is like that. He just is not going to take uh, a bad day as for, uh, it's not going to be the end of his life. He's he looks at things in the, the right way, and I think golfers have to, too. If they want to get better, they can't throw clubs and have temper tantrums. Chip's never done that. He's a wonderful person, and um, I can wish him only but good things in his life. And, Dr. Sutty, one of the things we talk about a lot on this show is uh, the difference between practicing out on the range and practicing your golf swing and actually playing the game of golf. Those two things aren't necessarily the same. How do you help your students transition from, from the range to the course? Well, the best lesson is on the course. And I try to get them out there if I can. And swing on the course changes from the swing on the range. The way to transition is to get more into field thoughts. Tell them what side of the tee to tee off on, how the ball flight should be going high or low, and put them in positions. So it's 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 very important, though, to get them on the golf course as soon as you can, because hey, it is the best place to learn. And Dr. Sully, like I mentioned earlier, uh, one of the guys that you've taught with is, uh, is a good friend here on the show, Rob Strano. I know you guys worked together for a while. What sure. do you remember about Rob? Another positive guy. <laughs> He's very positive, very optimistic, and uh, wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, we uh, taught at Pine Needles together years ago, and 
I'm so happy to see him doing well, uh, teaching where he is. And uh, he uh, he's just a solid guy and uh, got a good swing. And he loves, uh, loves the game of golf, and uh, he knows how to teach it. So, yeah, I have given him several lessons. Dr. Sutter, just a couple more before we let you go. And as, as you look out into 2019, are there some things that you'd really like to see happen in the golf industry or out on the PGA or LPGA tours? Are there some things you're rooting for that you'd really like to see happen this year? Game speed up a little bit would be good, and I think the new rules of golf are going to help that, especially that local rule that they put in. Um, but I think the speed of the golf and people have to start having more fun at the game instead of uh, fighting the game. You know, if they have a bogey, they have a bogey. If they take a six, you take a six. But I think I'd like to see people have more fun with it. I'd, I'd like to see uh, more opportunity, and I'd like to see people stay in the game and improve. Junior golf, I would like to see junior golf uh, explode, I think, like it did a few years ago. And it's difficult for us to get <clears throat> get everybody enthusiastic, but uh, – I think the USGA has done a wonderful job in changing some of these these new rules. It'll speed the game up considerably. And speaking of the new rules, what do you what are your thoughts on some of the things that have changed? Whether it's leaving the flag stick in or the new drop rule or any of the other ones that that you've looked at, and say are these good changes, bad changes? Some things you might think that they need to walk back at the end of the year. What are your thoughts? Oh, uh, I think anything the amateur golfer play better golf and have more fun is going to be a good rule. A lot of these rules are good because, you know, you can just picture somebody on the fairway waiting for people to put out because somebody has got to take the flag out. And uh, the, the, the uh, embedded, new embedded ball rules are very good one where now if your ball embeds in, in the hazard or in the rough or something, you can play it the same way as if it was in the fairway. So. Uh, but I think everybody, all your audience should be looking at those new rules because they, they, they're going to get a lot out of them. Dr. Suddy, before we let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with the things that you're doing, whether it's uh, on your website or it's on social media? Well, the things I'm doing, I'm more of a one-on-one teacher because I believe that the guy deserves more of my attention than having six people in a in a class. And I don't teach everybody the same way. So if if they want to get a hold of me, they can always call me at my 800 number. It's 800-765-3838. And I'm down in Naples I can in, at, uh, at Twin Eagles, and they're welcome to come down and take a look. And uh, one of the uh, Georgia boys up there, uh, Larry Mize, works with me. He's, he comes down and sees me about three or four times a year. So it's, uh, it's uh, not, not that far, really. Well, Dr. Suddy, it has been an extreme privilege having you as part of the show tonight. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime, share more of your uh, your stories and insights with us, because it's been great having you here tonight. Well, that's nice to say, Chris, and I wish you nothing but the best uh, on your show. And uh, it sounds like you got some great guests coming up. Uh, Peter Kessler, I said hello. He's always been good to me. Nah, I certainly will pass that along. Thank you, Dr. Suddy. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you, Dr. Suddy. That is the great Dr. Jim Suddy. And again, his uh, his phone number, if you want to reach out to him, 800-765-3838, down there at Pine Needles. Boy, I tell you what, 
you want to talk about one of the great instructors of all time and getting to spend just 25 minutes with him here tonight. We're really looking forward to having him back on the show. It was, uh, it was an honor speaking with him. All right, before I get to my next guest, Peter Kessler, I want to remind you about our friends over at Superspeed Golf. Now used by over half of the tour players around the world, Superspeed Golf is the fastest and most effective way to increase your swing speed. Three eight-minute training sessions per week are all you need to see a 5% increase in that swing speed. With sets for golfers of all ages and over one year of included video instruction as well, Superspeed offers a complete solution to help you start bombing it off the tee. Visit them online at superspeedgolf.com to pick up your set today. All right, now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is not only one of my favorite guests, but one of my favorite people, period, and that is the voice of golf, Peter Kessler. Be sure to follow Peter on his Facebook page and over on Twitter at Peter Kessler. Also be sure to check out his newly revamped website, peterkessler.com, because there's so much great golf content on there. It's amazing. And uh, you can also book Peter for an event while you're on his site as well. And like I say, every time Peter joins me, no one knows the history of golf better than Peter does. And among the many great quotes that you're going to hear about Peter, I want to share two with you. If, you. if you weren't fortunate enough to see Peter's show, Golf Talk Live, when it was on the Golf Channel, it was by far the best golf talk show ever. And, the, uh, and Golf World Magazine accurately called Peter Golf's Walter Cronkite. A little over a year ago, PGA.com said Peter is one of the greatest storytelling voices in the history of the world. And that is absolutely true. Couldn't say better. And I'm very excited. He is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Happy New Year, Peter. Thanks for coming back on the show. I tell you, buddy. You know, I'm not sure about the Cronkite thing because I really always thought I was handsomer than he was. And, <laughs> you know, he didn't have to ad-lib anything. So, you know, I'm okay with that. The other one, yeah, the storytelling thing is good. So I was sitting inside the Italian restaurant, and it's like 820. And a few minutes ago, and I, and I, I, uh, I said to the woman who runs it, she always sits with me when I eat alone. I said, I know I'm supposed to do something right now, and I said, and I can't think what it is. And so we started to talk about my daughter Jennifer, whose birthday it is today. And then she goes, wow. and how's Chris? And I went, Chris, that's it. That's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and I just, I, I, I left my meal. I said, I'll be back in 30 minutes. And I ran out, and and then and it was perfect driving. Susie said, "How's Chris?" I went, "That's it. How are you, buddy? Good to be with you." <laughs> it's good to be with you, my friend. So, uh, Peter, we got to. I want to start by talking about your your website, and you've done a lot of work on that recently. It looks fantastic. You got a lot of great content on there. I love, you know, Golf Talk Live and the great things that you that you're doing with that. You know, particularly. The interview that you posted about the great Gene Saracen, an interview that I was surprised to learn you did just a little bit north of me here in Atlanta at Chateau Alain. So if you, if you don't mind, wet our whistle a little bit about what you've got on the website and uh, particularly that interview with the great Gene Saracen. Well, you know what I tried to do, I gave it a lot of thought, and, you know, and, you know, and everybody who knows me, whether it's my family or friends or people I'm lucky enough to have as fans, everybody says the same stuff to me, which is, Okay, fine. So you did the radio thing. Good. So you did it better than everybody else. Happy? Okay, you did this. You did this better. Don't just stop doing what you're doing and go do what you actually like doing, which is go be on camera. Just go do shows again. Just and stop bothering us, basically. So <laughs> I uh, so I got interviewed by you know so I you know I've been trying to raise money to do to do this. So 
Alan Shipnuck from Golf Magazine called me in mid-August of 2018, and he said, I want to come down and interview you. And I said, great, you know, the best interviewer for interviewer in golf. And, well, since me in 2004, but never mind. And so Alan <laughs> says, you know, I'm going to come down in 60 days. So I said, great. So, you know, if I was going to come interview you, Chris, you're not going to get ready for it because you're you and you know the answers because you're you. But I knew he wasn't coming down to ask me about my childhood. So I had 60 days. So I went, okay, let's think about everything that you can think about with regard to golf until you come up with 100 points. So I started in mid-August, and just really the way I did it was, you know, crazily enough, it's the way I really sort of work. I, I sit outside with a cigar and no pad or no anything, and I just think it through, and I am just able to add to the list in my head some kind of a photographic memory. I'm not exactly sure how it works. I know it's different for most people, but, I mean, there were times where I used to be able to, like, write something in my head and then actually just like look at it in my mind's eye and write it out in my hand. I know that sounds crazy, but you know, I'll tell you, I, I, and I was worried that I was completely out of my mind. So one year I was at the uh, U S open and I think it was, no, no, yes, it was the PGA. It was the PGA championship in 99 when Tiger edged out Sergio by a shot, you know, time Sergio hit that great shot around the tree. And let me tell you, I was there. And I saw that. I was flirting with this really attractive woman when Sergio went and hit the shot in between the roots of the tree. So I left her because I had could go inside the ropes because of my badge. And I went and looked at it. And I've been playing golf since I was eight years old. He, he had nothing except a chip out if he really was precise with his contact. There were roots on both sides which were parallel to the hole. And there was no way to advance the golf ball. So when he hit that long iron, or six iron, actually, onto the back of the green, and then it was a great two-putt, but that was one of the most ridiculous shots. So the thing ends, Tiger finally makes the last putt. 299 guys go into the media center, and I walk out onto the patio because I'm going to go write my show, my TV show for that night in my head, and then go tell my producer kind of what, what tape I need and everything. And so... I walked outside, and at the exact same time, Dan Jenkins walks outside. It, you know, I mean, one of the great, great, great writers, sports writers, writers of, of anything ever. So Dan's out there. I guess he was in his late 70s at the time and still in great form. And he doesn't have a pencil, and he doesn't have any paper. I mean, didn't have any machine, and I don't have any pencil or paper or anything. And he's got a pack of cigarettes, and I've got a cigar. We both have something in a glass, neither one alcoholic. And he didn't say anything, and I didn't say anything. And he sat about six feet to my right in a chair, and we're looking out onto the 18th green at the at Medina. And about 20 minutes goes by, and he doesn't say anything. I don't say anything. And then uh, he, without looking at me, just looks straight ahead, and he goes, are you writing your show? And I said, yes. I said, are you writing your story? And he said, yes. And I said, thank God. And he said, <laughs> you're not crazy. He said, it's an incredible and it's, an, it's a rare gift and you can always, always trust it. So I always did. So 
so Alan's going to come down. And so I spent two months thinking about stuff and he gets down in the middle of October and I'm still trying to raise money to do TV shows. And, and he comes into the room at the private room of the restaurant, great steakhouse that we ate at. And uh, he flew in from San Francisco. I'm in Orlando and he walks in the door and we said, hello, and we're old friends. And he puts his stuff on the table. And I said, you have your machine? And he said, yes. I said, well, put it on the table. And he said, okay. And I said, just go ahead and press record. And I was at seven. And so I stopped at 1030. And uh, literally, I stopped at 1030. The next day, we got together at noon. And I stopped at four. And he asked me five questions in seven and a half hours. The questions were deep, like, really? Was he there? So we finished the seven (laughs) and a half hours. And he says to me, you know, Instead of instead of uh, trying to raise the money, why don't you just make some shows? Just, just, just. He said, "I know you're not making money and stuff." And I said, "Okay." He said, "It can't be easy." He said, "But figure out a way to make some shows. Just figure out something." He said, "It can be a demo. Do three shows. Do three ten-minute shows." He said, "He said, you know, you've had eight hundred years to think about it. I'm sure you've got a million ideas. Just do them. Just go ahead and do them." So I went. All of a sudden, everything changed because my focus went from thinking about raising this money to just making shows. And that was the middle of October. So from that day, when he said, make shows, forget money, it took 79 days. I broke 80. It took 79 days from that day to post a prelude called Warming Up, like the orchestra warming up for the audience in a Broadway play was the idea to set the tone and template for what is to follow. And then I put together nine pieces and I thought, you know, I'll start with, with nine. This is the opening nine. So I, uh, I decided to kind of ultimately just make it a sort of an introduction of my work. You know, there's, there's a lot of people who haven't seen my work. And so to me, my audience that exists are 35 and older. So, people younger wouldn't be familiar because well, nobody listens to Sirius XM and nobody listened to my show either. And, you know, so, you know, you really got, you know, you really have to have the exposure in some way. And so in my case, it's gotta be, you know, on camera. And so, uh, I thought, okay, I'm going to do an introduction to my body of work. I'm not going to just go ahead and try to do a whole bunch of new stuff to prove that I can do new stuff. I, there can be a starting place. So, I decided, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll mix it up. So the prelude called warming up is, is, is almost like a golf music video. And, uh, which was kind of the idea. And I'm working on a couple of more precisely golf music videos that won't have any voice at all, but just be music and picture. And I got a couple of good things I'm working on. So that was the idea for the first piece. And the piece of music involved is, something that no matter how old you are, you're, you're easily adaptable to it and it, it works perfectly and it, and it fits. Like, you know, I go in to see a great movie and the music is great as opposed to something modern or crazy, but something that feels classic, but that everybody of any age could enjoy. So that was the idea there. And then, you know, really actually my old producer, a great friend of mine, Lee Siegel, did all my golf channel shows with me, said, you got to start with Tiger. So, okay, so I'll start with Tiger. So, I thought, all right, so a lot of people have never seen the Tiger stuff, and nobody's ever seen him the way he used to behave with me. I mean, you know, I used to give him a really hard time and tell him he couldn't play, and I could beat him, and he was coming over the top of everything, and 
you know, and I could get away with it. He loved it. We were doing great. So I thought, okay, we'll do a bunch of that. And I found a nice young fellow around the corner to, to have me do some, some stand up so people could see what I look like now. And I decided not to dye the gray and my weight was good. And you know, I was about as good as I can look the way I looked in those, you know, those stand ups I just did. So that was cool. And um, so I thought, you know, you gotta let people see how you are now. And Really, in the first show, though, you end up seeing me from ages 24 to 66, my, my present age, because there's pictures of me winning the club championship at La Costa, starts off the Tiger piece. That was in 76. And so that was a pretty easy one. But I thought, yeah, you can't just do that. You can't just do greatest hits. So I thought, okay, let's add, you know, what it was like to go to a golf tournament and watch him, where I used to sit. And then let's say something about his golf course design philosophy, because he's got Blue Jack National, his new track gotten great awards number one course in texas and stuff golf magazine golf week golf digest so um you know so I, I did a little piece on that and then out and then i thought and then my editor from 25 years ago had all this stuff in his computer that i had not seen in any, like maybe ever like he showed me some stuff i knew it was obviously mine because i knew my writing but it was even like better it was like really could you do this i didn't think i saw some pieces where i thought i don't know if i'm still that good i mean there was some stuff in some of those older pieces that had never been aired that like i didn't even know anymore i mean like the bobby jones thing i watched that i just like whoa you know obviously i wrote it researched it and voiced it and told them what pictures to get but i had no memory of it whatsoever so we found a bunch of stuff that had never been aired none of which i could I, I couldn't believe how good I thought it was. And I'm like my, you know, really tough on me. I am propped up on everybody, but I'm really tough on me. And I really liked it. So when I really liked it, I thought, all right, if I like it, everybody will like it. Because, you know, one, uh, I have a gift. And my gift is, I know what other, I know what golfers want to see. I, whatever that, whatever that means. I know what golfers want to see. I, I, I know for sure, for sure, for sure. And I proved it over and over and over again. So, so I, you know, so then we, so we banged out the Tiger piece, and then we had a, a piece from Tiger winning the '97 Masters. I think we threw that in. Then we structured a piece with Payne Stewart, and which was great. He was a great buddy of mine, and you know, and I loved him very much. And then we did Payne winning the '99 U.S. Open to finish off. So the Tiger and the Payne sections were kind of similar. Tiger and Payne at the Golf Channel. Tiger and Payne winning tournaments. And then I decided to show some stuff from HBO where I was the voice of HBO sports and where I got the break, you know, to get into the entertainment and sports industry. And, you know, we won the Peabody and the ACE and the Emmy, everything you could, but I never even got a copy of those. I know I won, I got, I won them all, but I never got any of them. I don't have any of that stuff. I don't have anything. So we, uh, so I thought, okay, I'll throw in a piece of that baseball film. Cause that gave me my break. And then I did a big boxing series that won all kinds of stuff. And I just narrated those, everything else, the other seven shows, and everything about them was was mine from you know beginning to end but in this case i didn't write it or anything i just narrated it and then so we did a couple things from hbo and then there came the sarazen piece that you liked and seems to be the favorite pretty much across the board which gives me a really good idea but the neat thing is everybody kind of liked something different but if there was a stress it was on sarazen the jones pieces in particular and the prelude interestingly enough and um, uh, so with Sarah's and, you know, I decided, OK, well, you know, before the show, before the guy actually came on camera, I used to write these little 
biographies, which were which we called packages, and they were great little bios. I mean, just great little bios. And um, so I said, hey, I'm going to look at the Sarahs and one. And I went, wow, that's really good. And let's so let's do that. And and I knew Gene really well, so I thought, all right, I'll tell the Gene Sarahs story on camera. So I did that. We showed, you know, and then we showed the Gene thing so people could have his background. Then we showed Gene with me pretty much talking about the double eagle in 1935. And then, uh, oh, there was a lovely chip piece with him and uh, Bobby Jones in the middle of that sequence. But that's the one um, that got the best feedback. So I'm going to go watch that one, and uh, and I'll be able to fairly quickly ascertain exactly what it was about that particular flow and that length and that piece of information and that presentation that really caught people's imaginations more than the others. But the thing was, we got these metrics back, Chris. I know I'm talking too much. Cut me off whenever you want. We got these (laughs) metrics back that 83% of the people who watched the shows have watched all of the shows. So, it's a huge number, I've been told. I've been told that, like, high teens for completion of, of the material is, is normal. We were at 83 across the board. So if somebody started to watch, they finished it. So at this point, what I really have to do is to uh, – now I need to market, you know, I need to market this. I, You know, I really went full bore for, you know, that, that period from mid-August getting ready for Allen until – a week, you know, mid-January when I posted the shows, and uh, and I kind of hit the wall a few days ago and ran out of gas, and then I got a call from my buddy tonight who does, who actually invented drive, chip, and putt and made exactly the same amount of money from it that you and I did, and uh, he's coming down tomorrow, and he's the one who did the website, so I'm a, my enthusiasm level is coming up again, and we're going to figure out how we're going to market it, figure out how we're going to promote it. And I'm going to learn how to do my own social media with video clips and stuff. And so uh, there's a very short answer to your question. (laughs) Indeed. So what's next? Well, I think, you know, certainly the marketing thing. And then, you know, so I'm thinking of the next series of shows and, you know, so obviously there's options and you think of the same ones I will. I, you know, so that now that I've got, you know, nine shows plus, plus an introductory show, should I restart releasing the next batch one at a time now that I've established a presence? Yeah. Or should I do them in group of nine? So, you know, you think about that. And I also want to do some different stuff. I'm going to definitely do a golf. I've got a couple of really cool golf music, what I think are cool golf music videos in mind. I have to do stuff on the women. I'm going to probably do a, a really good piece on Babe Saharius and Patty Berg and, uh, Peggy Kirk Bell probably will start the series with Sevy. I I could not find in my huge walk-in closet of tapes the Sevy show, and then I called Lee Siegel, my old producer. I said, "What is, what was that called?" And he said, "Oh, that was the World Golf Village in '99." So I went down to W instead of S or B, and I went World Golf Village. Aha, '99. So I found about 30 minutes with Sevy, and now I'm kind of leaning towards. Doesn't have to be 10 minutes or less now. If 83% of the people were watching all of the shows and there's 80 minutes worth, then I'm thinking it doesn't have to be brief to hold their attention if I've already established a new relationship with some folks. So why would they mind seeing Seve for 20 or 25 minutes? Why why cut it off just so it's shorter? So um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to start with Seve, then do the girls, golf music video, 
Got to do Jack Nicholas. Got to do Arnold Palmer. There's yes. some things I need to get to. Working on a Doug Sanders piece. I'm doing the, the 70 Open Championship, and I'm pretty much going to squeeze the life out of my editor if he doesn't get it right the next time we sit down to do it. And, uh, you know, he's got 19 different diseases. We're the same age between his diabetes, and then he has to get up, and then he gets dizzy, and then he smokes medicinal marijuana. I mean, the whole scene is insane. You know what I'm saying? He goes, do you want some? I said, I'm working. What are you talking about? I said, you, you're pushing buttons. I'm trying to create. I don't want drugs. We talk. The whole thing, it's a, it's, a, it's and then he has a psychotic breakdown. So we're working our way through that. I'm like, I'm riding him like a horse around the track, you know? I'm like, I'm trying to figure out exactly how to, you know, how to handle him. And so we'll get there. So, yeah, so I'm just going to keep moving forward. So it's marketing, and then it's new shows. And I think the key, Chris, is, as you know, as well as I do for sure, the two keys are it's got to be really, really, really good, better than anybody else could possibly do, and you've got to have frequency. You've got to keep Tom Brady yep. every year. Boom. Every <laughs> single year. And I love that guy. And it's funny because when he said before the Chiefs game that he was the baddest MF on the planet, I jumped right out of my chair because I know what I used to say to myself for live TV shows. I basically used to tell myself that basically I was in a league of my own. And then after the show was over, I get in the car and go, <laughs> nailed that mother. <laughs> That's brilliant. Peter, before yeah. we let you go, remind our listeners again yes, how they can find all of this great new content and follow you on social media as well. No, go to peterkessler.com, K-E-S-S-L-E-R, peterkessler.com. I've got the prelude and nine shows on there. I'm going to add new material. I think there's a couple of shows in the golf channel. There's some cool photos. There's some other stuff. We'll keep adding content. I've got a number of ideas for substantial amounts of existing content that I can categorize and put in there that I think people will really like, especially like the biographies that preceded the live shows, like the Gene Sarazen one that you like. So, um, yeah, so PeterKessler.com and then, you know, Peter Kessler on Facebook and, and on uh, Twitter. And, you know, everybody thinks I'm the Twitter sniper. I am. I take everybody down. It's not fun to always be right. I'm not kidding around. It's not fun to know for sure that you're right and that other person is wrong. I need a three-putt. It would be so great to be right, but I know I'm not going to be wrong. I know it's the most egocentric, crazy thing to say, but if it's golf, there's not really a chance I'm not going to know. And, and so when these guys come on social media and they say stuff that's absolutely off the planet, I'm taking them down. Now, I'm not trying to be rude, and I'm trying to be eloquent, and I'm trying to be funny, and I'm trying to have fun, and I'm trying to educate, and I'm trying to teach people history. So we've got a complicated relationship going with Twitter. But, um, but you know, I feel like it's almost like my responsibility ability to clean up the town. <laughs> There's a new sheriff in town and his name is Peter Kessler. Peter, you're the best, my friend. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Keep pumping out the great stuff and uh, hopefully you'll come back on the show and, and talk more about it when it's ready to go. But uh, I love you, my friend, and I, I can't thank you enough sure for your time. Would like to be on more, I sure would like to be on more often. I, I need to talk to I, I, I need to talk to whoever like puts this list together because definitely at me in a much more furious rotation. So 
would you and your staff get together and take a good look at this and look at the numbers and stuff and get back to my people who will get back with your people when you get back to my people? <laughs> Absolutely. We'll make sure that happens. Take care, buddy. Thank Great to be with you. I love you. Thanks, You're bud. the best. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, pal. Good to be with you. Always great. Thanks, Peter. That's the great Peter Kessler. PeterKessler.com, a great a great website. He's done a lot of work, and it looks and, and absolutely turned out fantastic. And the, all of the videos on there are top notch. And uh, I'm one of the 83% that came on and stayed there and watched every single one of them. And I'm sure I'll go back and re-listen to them all and watch them all again. At Peter Kessler on uh, on Twitter, he's a great follow. All right, before I get to my next guest, Randy Peich, I want to let you know that this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Randy Pice. And Randy is the Senior Vice President of Operation at the PGA Tour Superstore. Let me remind you a little bit about Randy's background. He earned his MBA in Public Relations and Communications at Auburn. And over the course of his career, he has spent time as a senior merchant for Golfsmith and Vice President for the Sports Authority. He joined the PGA Tour Superstore as a VP of, mar- of uh, Merchandising back in November of 2011. He started his current role as Senior VP of Operations in January of 2016, and I am very honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, Randy. Happy New Year. Thanks for coming back on the show. Hello, Chris. Happy New Year to you, too, and thank you so much for having me again. And if I'm going to get bumped by a couple of minutes, what an honor to have that by Peter Kessler. Uh, How entertaining was that? So great segment there. (laughs) I appreciate you. Well, Randy, here it is. It's uh, PGA Merchandise Show Week, and uh, how excited are you uh, for all the uh, goings-on down there and the things that you're going to see the, re- the rest of this week? Yeah, I couldn't be more excited about it, and uh, we were fortunate enough to have a little bit of a preview of the PGA Show. We do our own training event for a couple hundred of our best associates uh, down in Florida at a resort called Streamsong, and they set up kind of a mini PGA show, if you will, with uh, a lot of the top brands out on the driving range and our our best associates get to uh, hit and test that product and hear about all the new technologies. So I was fortunate uh, about 10 days ago to to spend a few days out there and uh, and really testing all the new gear. So it's so exciting. And again, I, I feel like I've said this before, but if you're not excited about golf in 2019, uh, you're not watching what I'm watching because uh, it's really cool uh, to see what all is out there. And uh, I can't wait to see tomorrow when the doors open, the uh, the buzz in Orlando with uh, with everybody kind of looking at all the all the new stuff. And Randy, I heard you guys had Tony Finau there at, at that event. Talk about uh, spending a little bit of time of Tony and the message that he shared with you and your associates. Yes, what a great ambassador for golf. Tony is just uh, an incredible, uh, incredible partner of, of ours. Uh, he he has a foundation out in Utah, as, as many of you know, and uh, does a lot of charity work with the First Tee. And uh, most of your listeners know that PGA Tour Superstore is heavily involved with the First Tee, and we have a store in Salt Lake City as well. And uh, so we've been fortunate enough to do a lot of charity work with him and um, the way that this guy gives uh, back to the community and back to to kids in need. And uh, it, you, you probably, if you haven't heard his story, it's worth looking up. But he was able to share with uh, with our team and 
uh, and our folks just how the way that he grew up and he was not a uh, a country club kid that had everything handed to him with, you know with a silver spoon you know he had to hit balls into a mattress in his garage um, and you know mom and dad uh, really uh, lower middle class people who were kind of just scraping every penny they could and bought him one club at a time and him and his brother um, basically were playing golf and he said the only reason that he got into it is because his brother became a little bit good at it and he didn't want his brother to be able to beat him at anything. So he started playing golf against his brother. And, uh, and as it turns out, Tony turned out to be, to be a little bit better, but, uh, was on the big break and, and got a couple of other breaks along the way. And, uh, just an incredible story about perseverance and uh really athletic person who played basketball and, and a uh, lots of other sports growing up, but, uh, but he's, he's an incredible person more than he is an incredible golfer. And uh, if you see him hit a ball, it obviously hits it a mile. And uh, he did make a guarantee, though, that uh, there was going to be no more running down the fairway after a hole-in-one. So uh, if you saw that at Augusta last year, and I know what a big fan of the Masters you are, you've probably seen that clip a few times. Yes, I have. So I can't blame him. Enough of that. We, no one needs to see someone popping an ankle back into place. And I'm sure he's the last one that wants to do it again. So, but Good for him and good for you guys for getting to spend some time with him. He does sound like a great guy. So, so Randy, got to get your thoughts, right? I mean, to to your point a moment ago, have, having seen a lot of the new products already that are going to be debuted this week at the at the merchandise show, what are some of the things that have captured your imagination that you think are pretty cool? Well, here's the thing. So, this back in 2018, uh, we had kind of two man- big manufacturers, Callaway and TaylorMade come out with some really, really cool technology. Callaway's was called the Rogue, and TaylorMade came out with M3 and M4. And, and I went into last year thinking, how in the world can they top this? You got Twist Face, you had all the technology in the Rogue, and those two were kind of going head-to-head uh, for a lot of the spring and, and really gained, gained a ton of market share. Um, and so going into this uh, off-season, if you will, we, we kind of went to them, and we, we were a little bit hesitant, saying, how in the world are they going to top what, what they had last year? And sure enough, we go to TaylorMade, and they have this injected twist face, which is such a cool story, because it's still twist face technology, which is amazingly gets your ball back in the fairway if you're hitting it high toe or low heel, and, and does straighten your ball flight out. So that technology is still there. They made the face a little bit hotter, but then what they, how they did that was they actually make every face now illegal, like basically past the legal limit. And then they inject this um, resin into the face and basically bring it back to the legal limit so that you can be sure that there is no um, strange tolerances or one face is hotter than the other. And um, basically, they're saying you're playing the lottery if you, if you pick out a driver nowadays. But with this, you can be guaranteed that every single face is as hot as any face out there, and that tour players that go into the tour truck and, and get special things done to their driver, it's no different than every single driver that you're going to see in M5 and M6 um, on our floor here in, in a few weeks. So that's really a cool story uh, from TaylorMade, but uh, not to be outdone, Callaway um, introduced Epic Flash, which has some incredible technology as well. It's, uh, it's the fastest driver they've ever made, and really everything is about speed. Um, there's so many drivers that are telling a speed story now, which is great for us as a store because 
a lot, the consumer is going to get kind of a lot of mixed messages about which driver is the fastest and which one they should play. And that's the best part about our store is that we have the technology that will tell you, hey, bring in last year's M3 and M4. Bring in last year's Rogue and let's test against the new, the, the new driver and see if it really is faster. And it's amazing. It's amazing that it is. And then you kind of supplement that with the uh, Titleist TS3 that came out. Ping is launching the G410 in a few weeks here. And the, between those drivers, it's, it's just incredible. And then on the other side of it, there's brand new irons as well. And just when you thought irons couldn't get any better, there are new technologies with irons that are making the irons faster and hotter than they ever have. And um, a lot of times you don't talk about distance with an iron, but it, it sure is fun to get three, four, five, six extra yards on your, on your seven and eight iron and know that you can carry that bunker and have confidence to, uh, to step over the ball and do that. And uh, the irons are kind of works of art nowadays too, Chris. It's, uh, it's always incredible to, to see it in its raw form and with all the technology that goes behind it and the perimeter weighting and the forgiveness and the sweet spots are bigger and bigger every year. But to actually see these dark finishes in some cases where they just, they look like new sports cars. So you can tell I'm not excited at all about it, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's so much fun for me because uh, this, will be, th- this will be my 17th PGA show in a row. And I am like a lot of your listeners. I go in there with a big smile on my face because it's so it, I'm giddy every time I, I walk through a show like that because I'm such an equipment geek that uh, that that kind of stuff really uh, really is fun for me. And uh, like I said, it's from the very first show that I went to. I could have never imagined the technology that would exist in 2019. So it's fun to be a part of. Um, and it's certainly fun to uh, to see our customers respond to that kind of uh, that kind of excitement as well. And Randy, to your point, I, I, the thing that I can't get over every year is the thing you alluded to a few moments ago. Is it seems like every year we've sort of reached the limit you would think we can get on distance, but somehow it it keeps continuing to get better and better. I thought at some point we we would have reached that maximum limit, whatever it is for moment of inertia or or whatnot. And it, we'd have to change to something like, I, you know, Taylor made you, you talk about with the twist base, you know, getting us more accuracy. You got, it keeps the distance, gives you more accuracy. I thought that, that has to be the new frontier, accuracy in, in the way that uh, we keep the ball more in, uh, in the middle of the fairway. Can you see, is there anywhere left to go with distance? And do, it doesn't have to change. Or you continue to be amazed every year that they continue to get it further and further and further. I, yeah, I'm I'm amazed at it, and and here's kind of what the the big trends are going to be as far as getting not only more accuracy, because twist face certainly uh, made the case that you can make a driver more accurate than it ever has been before, and and that's that's definitely been seen. But the distance piece is what's crazy about it is they're still coming up with ways to make drivers faster, and the big word that you're going to hear and. Um, Cobra with the new F9 driver, you, you heard a lot about that is, is the speed and the aerodynamics of it. And that's what you're seeing in Epic Flash and others is that they're, they're actually going to manufacturers like Boeing that are making parts for airplanes and saying, how do we get wind to resist on a driver even less? So sports car manufacturers have been doing this for years. So how do we make the driver if the face uh, can, if there's not much room for the face to get hotter, how do we make it travel through the air faster so that the same swing speed can actually make the ball have better ball speed by traveling through the air faster? 
And then the second piece is the shaft optimization that goes with it. And the number of shafts out there these days, Chris, can make anybody confused. You see them all on tour every single week. There's red, there's blue, there's green, there's silver, black, white, all these different colors, and many manufacturers, and they all do very, very different things. So it's key that when you go into a store like ours, and, and our store we think is the best at it, is to say, okay, here are the shafts. We've got all the shafts out there. Let's let's see what your swing speed is. Let's see what the ball is doing when it when it comes off the face of the club. And it always amazes me that I go into a store here in Atlanta and somebody in the club department can say, oh, I, I see exactly what your issue is. Let's try this shaft. Let's turn a screw here, screw there. Now go ahead and hit it. And I'm swinging literally with the same speed, same uh, launch angle, all of that, um, attack angle, everything is the same. And I'm getting six, seven more yards. And I'm saying, how did you guys do that? Well, it's, it's very simple. It's just this shaft. I knew it was going to work better for your, your swing. So that's the beauty of it is that we have the ability as consumers now to go into a PGA Tour Superstore and get fit just like Tony Finau would in a tour trailer. And that's the fun part about it. And as you know, Tony plays ping equipment and he can go into the ping equipment trailer and they can do all that for him. We can do the same thing for you and your listeners, which is lots of fun. Randy, talk about some of the other things. What are some of the cool gadgets out there that you think that we're all going to be dying to have? Yeah, I think the coolest thing for me is that, you know, you can, customers have always had to make a choice between uh, GPS devices uh, or rangefinders. So a GPS device like a watch or a, or a device that will actually tell you front, middle, back, or over hazards, and then other people prefer to say, hey, I'm going to actually shoot this with a rangefinder and, and actually lock in on the flag and say this is my exact position of this flag or this tree uh, behind the green or, or the lip of the bunker. Well, the beauty of that is we have a gadget now that does both. So there's a rangefinder and a, and a and a GPS device all in one. So you can see what it is to carry lakes, hazards, bunkers, uh, the width of the fairway, all kinds of different things it'll tell you. And then you can, uh, you can shoot the pin and shoot different trees and, and find out exactly what it is. So the sophistication uh, that's out there is, is really incredible um, as far as what, these, what, what the, uh, the gadgets will do today. And Randy, you guys there at the PGA Tour Superstore, obviously you're in a licensing agreement with the folks on the PGA Tour. Talk about the benefits and the responsibilities that go along with partnering you know, directly with the PGA Tour. Yeah, it's been an incredible partnership. And uh, most, most people know by now, or maybe they don't know, that our, uh, our primary owner is Arthur Blank, um, who owns the Atlanta Falcons and the Atlanta United, the Major League Soccer Champions and the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is about to host the Super Bowl here in less than two weeks. And as part of Arthur's vision, when he first acquired the company, um, he wanted to have a name on the door that, uh, that meant something, that stood for quality, that stood for integrity, that stood for absolutely the best of the best. And that's what the PGA Tour is. And so he drew up a licensing agreement. Uh, with the PGA Tour, it's a it's the longest term uh, agreement that the PGA Tour has. It's a 50 year agreement, so it's going to uh, outlast a lot of us uh, that are here. But but it's uh, it's been a, an absolute pleasure to deal with um, all of the executives at the tour and everybody at 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 every level 
uh, starting with Jay Monahan, and uh, we met with him earlier uh, last year, and he is just so pumped up about our business. And when he's asked about the, uh, the next phase of growth for the PGA Tour, our name inevitably comes up in his discussion. And it's so great to not just be a licensee of the PGA Tour, uh, but to be a partner with them and to actually uh, see the benefits of the partnership and the wide reach that they have, whether it's social media or whether it's our e-commerce site fulfilling uh, people that go onto the PGA Tour website and click shop, uh, and all of the different ways that we can engage their fans that are attending their tournaments and our customers who are in our store, many of whom are, are one and the same. And so it's been a really fun way to do that. And, and most importantly for the tour, I think they would tell you, and we would say as well, is just the way that both of our organizations give back to the community, uh, predominantly through the first T, which Arthur has already given well over a million dollars to the first T and continues to, to do that on behalf of the PGA Tour Superstore. And you have already read many articles and, and seen on TV about the charity that the PGA Tour does. And uh, I, I believe that I'll, I'm correct in saying that they give more to charity than, than any of the other major sports leagues. Um, and it might even be combined now. So they've, they've given millions and millions right. of dollars to charity over the years. So, so it's, it's, that part of it is just really fun because it's, it's just incredible to be involved with these organizations that, that put importance on living as certain values and giving back to others. And, that's one of our core values. That's a value that, that we live every single day. And it's more important than just the commerce and, that we can generate. And it allows those of us that work for the organization to kind of live with that higher purpose of how do we give back to others? How do we give back to the game of golf? And there are very few retailers that see themselves having a role in actually growing the game. And that's part of a responsibility that we take very seriously is how do we grow the game and how do we participate in having new people come into the game? And I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, it, it's up 22% our golf industry from five years ago. So you're seeing, you're hearing a lot of statistics over the last 10 years that may not indicate that golf is on the right track, but ratings were up 20% for the PGA tour. Participation is up particularly in uh, beginning golfers, youth golfers, and, uh, and, and women. And that, those are uh, categories where golf has really struggled um, in the, at the turn of the century. And in the first decade after that, that was a real struggle. And I think over the last five or six years, you've really seen more people come into the game. And uh, the face of the game is, is just changing a little bit in the advent of, of social media. And, you know, it's, it's not your grandfather's PGA Tour anymore. So it's fun to see some of those changes uh, with the times and, and golf really uh, becoming cool. So I, I, it's, it's been really fun to be a part of all of that. But, uh, but like I said, it's, it's, it's also great to, uh, to give back and it's nice to see growth in our industry. Um, and in particular, the PGA Tour Superstore, and you, you hear all the time about retail closures. Uh, the, since the last time we talked, one of the biggest retailers in the United States went out of business, Toys R Us. Um, and we, they had almost 900 stores and we've been able to acquire a lot of their real estate and we're still continuing to grow. And we, we're at 35 stores now. We plan to be at 50 stores by the end of 2020. Uh, we're going to open stores here in the next six months, starting with a store, our first store in, in Boston, um, on February 2nd of all things, the day before right. Patriots play 
Super Bowl, we are going to open a store um, out there in Boston on that Saturday. So those people, as they're getting ready for the Super Bowl on Sunday, will have a great grand opening to go to in Peabody, and then we're going to open a second store there in, uh, about three or four months after that. So it's really uh, it's really fun to go there. We're going to Austin, Texas, which we're, we have not been there yet. So that's an exciting place for us to open a store. Denver, we're, we're going to open our second store there. South Florida, we're going to open in uh, Fort Lauderdale, if you're familiar with Fort Lauderdale, North Miami area, uh, and then in Sarasota as well. So it's really, really going to be a whirlwind for us uh, this spring between all the new products that I've been talking about and just growing these stores and, and building them. And it's, it's just amazing, even the store that I referenced in Boston, how many people see our sign on the door and they're, they're peeking in the window and they're knocking on the door and they're asking the people building our store and putting it together, when are you guys going to be open? It's about time you came here. And uh, I got a really cool letter, Chris, from, uh, from a, one of our customers that lives in Philadelphia. And there's plenty of golf stores in Philadelphia. Uh, ours is not there yet. Uh, we're still working on that market. But the, this customer said, I drive two hours every single time I have to go and buy golf equipment. I go to Paramus, New Jersey. So if you're familiar with that part of the world, it's a, it's a two-hour drive from the outskirts of Philadelphia to Paramus, New Jersey. And this customer goes there and uh, literally brings our store pretzels from Philadelphia from this famous pretzel maker and, and makes a day of it. And he says, I won't buy equipment anywhere else. And it's because of your team and it's because of your, your fitting and the experience that I get there. And so we've talked about this on your show before, how we love to create an experience and we love for people to come in and not just get what they want and be satisfied. Satisfaction is the lowest bar we have. We want them to be surprised and delighted and pleased and have a great experience. And if that experience means you brought your M3 driver that you bought, bought last year and we couldn't make it any better, that's great too. You might walk out with a dozen balls or nothing at all. But the fact that we're making your golf game better, sometimes it's a lesson. Sometimes it's just a grip on a club. Sometimes it's a swing tip that you get while you're out on the floor. But the, what, we, what we consider uh, to be, what most people consider to be transactional, we consider to be relational. So we want to be in the relationship business. And that's part of the reason that we've been so successful and why we can open all these stores is because we're still growing. Uh, our company grew uh, roughly 14% last year in 2018, which is almost unheard of in the retail environment. Uh, that you're that you're reading about, and that's why we do it because we want uh, we want people to come in and experience what we can deliver for them, and it's it's really fun um, to see people improve their golf game after they walk in and out of our store. And that's the, and that's the kind of how I want to end our time with you tonight, Randy, because every time you come on the show and and all that stuff that you just talked about, the relationship that people build when they come into your location. That's the thing I want people to take away from our time together. Not only about all the great technology and the golf equipment and the golf balls and all of those sorts of things, but the idea that, you know, you, you, you take us from soup to nuts, from the, from the equipment to the golf balls to the fitting of those clubs so that we're not just buying off the rack. It's tailor-made to what we need to do, pun intended. We can get our clubs regripped if that's what we need. You guys have people in there that can give us lessons. You hold clinics. It's that whole sort of building a relationship where we come back time and time again to build our golf games, whether it's you know equipment or it's clothes or whatever it is. That's the thing that I think separates you from everybody else, not just in the golf 
retail business, but just sort of in the retail business, period. Those are the things I think you guys need to get a lot of credit for because that's what, you know, and we've talked about this before. The, the Kennesaw store is a, a driver five iron away from my house. And that, and I love going in there. And I, I may just go in there to practice putting. I may go in there to go into the simulators. I may try out something new or different. But every time I go in there, it's a wonderful experience. And that's the thing you guys need to get the most credit for. Well, thank you for saying that. And uh, tomorrow morning, I'm going to walk in the doors of the PGA show. And there's a couple hundred thousand square feet of all the coolest stuff in golf. And the closest thing that most people will get to that is one of our stores. And that's what we try to replicate. We try to pick the best of the best from everything that's out there. Um, and that's what our merchants are going to be down there doing. And it's, it's a lot of fun to walk into our store, um, especially at a grand opening and see people say that and open the door to our store and have the same reaction that, that people walking into the show would be is like, wow, this is incredible. I can't find a better selection or better people uh, or more knowledgeable associates anywhere in the country. And that, that's what it has brought us our success. And that's what will continue to be our success. R Randy, remind our listeners about uh, your website and all the great things that we can get on there, plus uh, how they can follow the PGA Tour Superstore and you on, uh, online and on social media. Yeah, thanks for that, that opportunity. We actually have a newly designed website, uh, PGATourSuperstore.com. So click on that, and it's brand new. If you haven't been there in several weeks or months, uh, we've got all new, and it's mobile-friendly, which it never used to be, and uh, now it's as slick as ever, and uh, some really cool things on there. And um, Obviously, we have 35 locations, and we're growing, but uh, use that website. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of the uh, social media channels, and give us a follow, and you won't, you won't be disappointed whether you click on those or you walk into our store. And Thank you again, Chris, for, uh, for having me on the show. It's uh, always exciting for me to talk golf. And uh, love your show, love what you're doing, and keep up the good work. I appreciate you, Randy. Thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come back and join me again. I look forward to the next opportunity I get to uh, catch up with you in between now and then. Enjoy the show. All the best to you and everybody there at the PGA Tour Superstore and your family as well. Thank you for your time, Randy. Thanks, Chris. Take care. That Bye. is the great Randy Peich, and uh, I'm telling you, folks, uh, the PGA Tour Superstore, I, I, you know, I always call it a golf wonderland because as soon as you go through those doors and they open up for you, it is. It's like going into a golf wonderland. That's a, the best way I can explain it. Everything that you're going to get in there from the apparel that you're looking for to golf clubs and fitting, you know, I take my clubs and I get my clubs regripped every year. I bring those things in, but I'm also in the simulators trying to figure out how can I get an extra five yards whether that's a different, uh, you know, clubs altogether, whether that's I just need to replace some of the shafts, whatever it is I need, I get in there. And here's the thing that doesn't get enough play. It's they'll fit you for your golf ball, folks. It's not just your golf equipment, not just the irons and the drivers. They also take you all the way through fitting for your golf ball to make sure you're playing the right ball to try to match everything together. So you get a complete package of golf, you know, golf apparel, golf shoes, golf equipment, golf ball, and everything is just so fantastic. And the folks there are great. And the folks at the, at the Kennesaw store, like I say, is there's a driver five iron away from my house. I love going in there because they treat me right. So all of that is, uh, is to say they are, they are in the relationship business. This isn't just, you know, uh, words. This is truth. And you go in there, you're going to go back and you're going to enjoy being in there. And, uh, and I love practicing on the putting range as well. It's just, it's just great. I love everything about the PGA Tour Superstore. That's why we partner together with them because of uh, the great relationship that, uh, that I built in be even before they were a partner on the show. 
and Randy's fantastic, and I look forward to having him back on the show hopefully again real soon. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the T. I want to send out my sincere thanks to Dr. Jim Suddy, Peter Kessler, and Randy Pice for joining me tonight. Folks, please give me your thoughts. Check out our page on Facebook, Next on the T with Chris Mascaro. Go right in there and first give us a like because that's very important to us. Plus, give us a comment. Let us know what you think about the show and how we're doing. If you've got a question that you want me to get answered for you, whether that's for one of our future guests, which you can find on our website, nextonthetea.net, or someone who's already been on the show, be glad to get that done for you. Please let me know. Please also check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate with me and my co-host, Bob Lazari, and our announcer, Joe Lajanusa. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time right here on Blog Talk Radio. That show like this one, also available as a free podcast over on Podbean, on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, Audioboom, and Amazon Alexa, too, now. You can, for either one of our shows, right, you can tell Alexa, play podcast next on the tier, play podcast Thursday Night Tailgate, boom, we're coming right out there on Amazon Alexa as well. On Thursday Night Tailgate, we are joined every week by five NFL legends who come on and share stories from their playing days, plus lend their, lend their insights into what's going on around the NFL now. Plus, we also highlight two players doing great things in their communities on our Spotlight on the Positive segment. Check out both websites, ThursdayNightTailgate.com and this show, NextOnTheT.net. Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to this show today. We really appreciate the fact that you're making us a part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the T with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors It's all about